Here we are in Acts chapter 11. And I really just want to dive right in because if you missed last week, uh, you can go back and listen to it on our podcast. Uh, but we, we start out here in chapter 11 with a report of what had happened. And I cannot stress enough, and I'm going to just beat the horse dead this morning, this is a crucial point in Christianity. This, this part of, of God's redemptive story from Genesis to Revelation is such a foundational peace that the gospel is now being extended to the Gentiles. Now we know that, that people outside of the Jewish faith could have, could have been saved and they could have been circumcised, they could have followed the law, they could have had faith in, in uh, the coming Messiah. Right? We, we know all these things, but this part in the understanding of cleanliness and unclean things is very important because now evangelism, the gospel, right, the Great Commission is going forward. It's, it's transpiring right before our very eyes here in Acts chapters 10 and 11. That Peter was challenged in chapter 10. Um, he has this vision, and the, the vision, this angel, um, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, comes to him uh, there in, in verses 9 through like 16, and, and Peter's complexed uh, about this, uh, perplexed because he was told, go and eat these foods, right? And he says, no, I've never eaten an unclean animal ever. And this voice comes to him a second time, says, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now he, he quickly understands it doesn't take long to realize this is talking about the Gentile people who the Jewish people once saw as unclean and unworthy of the good news. And we're reminded as we read that and as we get ready to dive in here to chapter 11 that, that we too were unworthy for the saving grace of God. But praise be to God who took us from death to life. So in our ministry, let us not soon forget the state that God dragged us out of. How good is our God. Amen, church? Amen. Chapter 11, verses 1 and on until we stop. It says, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was at the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air, and I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how, long, how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send the Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning." And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we come to You in praise and all in wonder of You and Your mighty plan. God, as, even as I, just, I read Your Word this morning, thinking about Your goodness and Your plan to save Your people, and how we are unworthy, and while we were still sinning, Christ died. And while we go out, we make no distinction. For you, Lord, have a plan. And part of your plan is to use us, your people, to go and to proclaim your glory. Lord, I pray that as we, we read this text, we would be greatly encouraged. God, that, that we would be stirred up to love and to good works. I pray that, that out of this, this Word, as we see this report, as we see the results of, of the, the Gospel and the Kingdom expanding, Lord, I pray that we would seek out opportunity to serve. I pray that we would be bold in our witness. I pray that we would be sacrificial in our service. Lord, I pray that, that if there's a, a member here of, of our church family that has an idea of, of ministry, that they bring it to us. God, not that, that we would have simply another ministry, not that we would have something else to add to the resume, but God, that we could serve people and glorify You. I pray that as there is a need amongst our church family, that we would meet it. I pray that it, as there is a need amongst our brothers and sisters around the world, that, that we would seek to meet it. Lord, as we gather around Your Word this morning and Your presence, I pray that You would just strengthen us. You would mold us into Your likeness. You would sanctify us according to Your Word, which is truth and is the truth that leads to life. Father, we thank You for Your plan, Your mighty plan, and ask all these things by the power of Your Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So as we look at, at, at this text, and we're going to go all the way through chapter 11, but I wanted to, to get through that part because this is a, a recap of chapter 10. And as we progress through all of chapter 11, I want us to see that gospel extension brings ministry expansion. That's our main point this morning. Gospel extension brings ministry expansion. Now, you cannot reverse these. This is not the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Right? I can tell you right now, if we, if we threw out a bunch of ministries, we'd get a ton of people, but we'd get a ton of people with the wrong mindset and the wrong hearts. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't get there. It doesn't mean that they don't know the Lord. But I was reminded this week that, that what we are winning people, what we are reaching people with, is what we will keep them with. So if we win people over with the best children's program, then the moment that we don't have enough volunteers, the moment that something happens and we can't have the children's program, what happens to those folks? The, the minute that, I, I can tell you right now, we thought all along, if we have a youth group, we're starting this, this church, right? I have some families come in with teens, and, and I get it. So this, if, you, if you're one of them and maybe you came back or maybe you always thought like we just need to have a youth group, 
just hear this with grace. But we'd have people come in and, hey, do you have a youth group? And it's like, no. And it's like, oh, bye. And I'm like, well, what did you think about the, the worship, right? The worship of God, the reason that we're meeting to glorify His name. What did you think about that? And then I'm like, well, if you just stay, then, then eventually we would have opportunity to serve and to start this youth group. But if we don't have any youth, we cannot have a youth group. If we don't have anybody passionate about leading the youth group, we will never have someone to lead and, and to serve and to, to, to disciple these kiddos along with the parents. You see, gospel extension brings ministry expansion. There's going to be more needs. As our church family grows, there's going to be more needs. There's going to be more opportunity. There's going to be more avenues to carry forth the gospel. But there's going to be more ministers to carry forth the gospel. And what happened here in chapter 10 and the recap into chapter 11 is that the gospel is being extended. The kingdom is extending. The good news is extending. This is one of our core values of our church is to extend the offer that's been extended to you. We are to go and to share the gospel. And particularly for them here, they're seeing that the gospel is now going to the Gentiles. This is not a message for simply the Jews, but all of God's people. All of the world is going to hear the Gospel. So Gospel extension brings ministry expansion. See, opportunity comes when opportunity is taken. And the opportunity we have before us now is to go and to share the Gospel. To go and to, to make Jesus' name known to all of the nations. To go and tell them that without Jesus, we are hopeless. But in Jesus, we find the hope that leads to life. And as that happens, other things will happen as well. So I want to look at two things here in, in chapter 11, and that's the report and the result. As we think about gospel extension bringing about ministry expansion, I want to look at the report and the result. Let's start with the report. What happened? Peter gives report of what had happened. Now, you look, we, we talked last week and, and Peter dealt with it. Um, Peter had some people that were with him. So people, um, other Jewish Christians, see the Gospel going to the Gentiles. They hear from Cornelius that he had had a vision. They know from their brother Peter that he had had a vision. Their visions align. And they see in chapter 10, uh, verses 44 through 48, that the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. So, everything that they had seen at Pentecost, they have a little mini Pentecost here in Acts chapter 10. And there are witnesses to this. God wants his people to see this extension. God wants them to see that they have a job to carry forth the good news. And as do we, church? We have a job, a command to carry forth the good news even to our enemies, the people we like the least and even the people we like the most. Sometimes we like people so much we don't want to hurt their feelings. We've made for them an enemy of ourselves, even though we love them because we won't share this good news. We withhold it from them. Look at this. In chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, now the apostles and brothers who or throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the Word of God. Mind blown. Imagine how irritated some of these guys would be. As they were. Verse 2, So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? 
And Peter goes on to explain all that had happened. Church, almost word for word. Luke writes it down again. He literally finishes in chapter 10, pinning down this historical event. Then Peter goes on to like relay it. Right? Let, me, let me tell you something. Normally when we do that, we're like, um, you know, you're taking notes and you're like, Peter said all that had just happened. Done. He records it again. And you know what that teaches us, church? That this event is so significant that it causes Luke to give us a recap. It is so important for us to understand that Luke doesn't just repeat it from Acts chapter 10 and then in Acts 20, he's like, oh, in case you forgot, it's back to back. Now imagine, like I I called you bright and early uh, this morning and told you all that you and I had done on Saturday. You know, me and you, we went to the movies, we went and got dinner, we watched um, Ohio State play terribly, and we, we enjoyed our, our lousy Saturday. And Sunday morning I wake up and I'm like, man, wasn't Saturday so awesome? We went and we, we uh, watched a movie, we got dinner, we had food, we watched Ohio State, they played so terribly, you'd be like, dude, I know. We, it just happened, right? Like, this isn't like forgetting what I ate last Monday, this... We just did this, brother. This is the significance in what has happened here with the Gospel extending to the Gentiles. This was no small event. And it seems small to us because we're like, we benefit from it, right? We're so far removed from this mindset that it, it doesn't even really hit or penetrate deeply. But imagine being one of these God fearing men and being despised by godly people. You just feel like the outsider all along. But what the Gospel does is it invites those who were once on the fringe and considered unclean and unworthy, and it brings us into a family that realizes that we are all unworthy without His intervention in our life. This is the good news being extended. Verse 17, If then God gave the same gift to them as He gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Peter could have been disobedient and gone about his way, but Saul or Barnabas, somebody would have carried this message forward. So Peter recognizes that this is God's plan. Who am I to stand in the way? He even remembers not just recounting the story that had just happened, but in verse 16, he remembers that John said, or Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And talking about that same gift, receiving the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation, Peter says, who am I to stand in the way of God's plan? They come, I can't believe you ate with those unclean people. He's like, let me tell you something, this was God's plan. I did not want to eat with them. But who was I to stand in the, the way? Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1-6. through six, I, I hit this in, in second service last week. If you were in first service, I totally missed it. We hinted at it. But this, Paul writes about this. That the, this is so significant what happened here that it's written about this mystery from the Old Testament to the New Testament understanding God's redemptive plan. Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. 
how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So now, it's been revealed. It's a mystery we're reading. It, it wasn't known before. So you kind of, you can, you can sympathize. You can be empathetic towards the Jewish people. This was a mystery to them. It wasn't fully revealed. But now you have to, because the, the Word of God has said it, because God has said it Himself, you have to see this Gospel extension beyond the Jewish people. So this mystery, so we get a, a clear picture. I love that Paul doesn't leave mystery. My dad always would talk to me about these mysteries. It's a mystery when you'll find out when you're older. I'm starting to kind of figure them out, but I've also known like I've gone back to my dad and he's kind of like looked at me like sideways like, huh? I'm like, you said that this was a mystery. And like, you left me hanging for 25 years. This wasn't it. And he's like, I don't even remember telling you that. Paul doesn't leave us like that. He says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the what church? Gospel. So he gives them report. Paul explains this further um, later on in Ephesians. So they didn't get to hear about all of that now, right? They didn't get to read, um, presuming they hadn't read it. Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 6, teaching these things, giving us a clearer picture, but it was unfolding before their very eyes. Now, Peter had been perplexed. Peter's in the middle of a sermon, and the Spirit falls on them. They start speaking in tongues, and um, they know it's, it's made known to them. So what happens when, when Peter gives the circumcision party a glimpse at what had just happened? A little bit of this Gospel extension. Did they become mad? Did they become angry? No. Verse 18, when they heard these things, they fell silent. You know, church, some things just leave you speechless and not in a bad way. Because look at what they did. They glorified God and said, then to the Gentiles, also God has granted repentance that leads to life. They're seeing the Gospel extension as fruitful, as a part of God's plan. As worthy to be made known to their brothers across the region. And this Gospel extension leads to ministry expansion. Point number two that need, needs are met because there's a result. We start out here and we read the report. And it gets all the way down there to the end. They glorify God receiving this report. They glorify Him and they go on to make this message known. So they get a report and then there's a result. Point number two, there's a result to what has happened. It's not like, oh, cool, the Gospel's extended to the Gentiles. I'm going to go back to my Jewish people and just continue living life, right? Like, like we often do. We'll read the Word of God and like, man, oh, yeah, awesome, really good. Go about our life. Oh man, like that's telling me that I need to change. That's telling me that I need, I need to bear fruit. That's telling me that I should pray and, and I get to commune with God. That's awesome. I get to commune with God. Cool. 
You want to hang out? Right? Like we don't spend time with like we we hear these things and it's so greatly impactful. But church, when we when we see something, when we get a report, when we read God's word, there should be a result. And there is here. We get a result of, of what happened with this message. The circumcision party, they hear about the Holy Spirit falling on the Gentiles, the gospel being extended, but now there's opportunity. There, the the, the um, harvest is plentiful when Jesus talked, but the labors are few. Now they're having a greater image, and they're like, now there's like tenfold the harvest. We need labors. We need people to go and to make this message known. So the result, we've got two results here. First off, disciples are made, and then needs are met. So your second point has two points this morning. So if you thought, uh, it's already 9.41, we'll be out of here in time. There's really like four points. And uh, that's good. It's good for us. We need that this morning. Disciples first off are made. So the Gospel is extended, so then there's ministry opportunity. We talked about uh, in the past couple weeks that, that every Christian is called to the work of ministry. The pastors are to equip you for the work of ministry. So the first ministry that you are to do is go and make disciples. That will make disciples. That will make disciples. We make disciple makers. Amen? So that's what we are to do. So the first opportunity they have is to go and to make disciples. We read here in verse 19, it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled far from Phoenicia um, and Cyprus uh, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. So there was this, this group that had been scattered from the stoning of Stephen, right? They scattered, but they didn't stop witnessing. Their witness had been to only Jews, though, for some time. But in verse 20, there's a result to the report, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who, had come, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenist, also preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. A great number of those who believed turned to the Lord. They repented. Their life was changed forever. They did a 180. And this was because of the report of what they had heard, that the Gospel was now going to everyone. The Gentiles also. Ephesians 2.10. I, I want to talk about this because we were created for good works. So sometimes we forget, we think that disciple-making is for the pastors. Disciple-making is for tier 2 Christians. Disciple-making is for those Christian-y people. But if you are a Christian, you are a saint. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's a contrast there between Paul talking about the, the old way, the way of wrath. We are children of uh, wrath by nature and the way that we once walked contrasted by the good works that God prepared for us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. That we would walk in them. So no longer walking in, in our uh, dead way, but walking in newness of Life that's active. It's a verb. We are doing it. We are pursuing it. We are fighting for it. And the result here from the report is that they are going to go and to make disciples. 
understanding that that gospel extension brings ministry expansion. That they have a job to do. I think there were a lot of people to go and share the gospel with beforehand. Now look at this. All of these people need to hear the good news. We were created for these good works, church. You're equipped for it through the local church. You're gifted for it by the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. You may not realize it because you didn't bust out and maybe didn't bust out in tongues and like Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, but the Holy Spirit made you a temple at the moment of your salvation, for the Holy God now lives inside of you. The report of this in verse 22 came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them to all, he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many of people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were first called Christians. Church, we could do like a whole sermon on the church at Antioch. This is an international church. This was a, a mission melting pot. Like they're just sending out missionaries left and right. Uh, the church in Jerusalem was, was great because of the history, um, but the church of Antioch um, has blessed every church since because of the work and the laboring and the taking up of the opportunity to make disciples. So taking, taking up the opportunity to go to the Gentiles, to go to the Jewish people, to go to all people, to make Jesus known. Because of the church of Antioch, we are blessed today. And we look and we see so much that, that, that we should long for. Like, like you, you talk about consider how to love and stir one another up to good works. We read in Hebrews, right? Think about that. Being stirred up to good works. Barnabas. So they hear about the church of Jerusalem. The report comes to the church of Jerusalem, to the ears of the church in Jerusalem in verse 22, and they sent Barnabas. They, so they send one of their greatest guys. J.D. Greer has a book, uh, it's, it's Gaining by Losing, right? Some of you all are here today, and you won't be here in a few years for good reason, because we're going to send you out to help plant another church. And his book is about that. Gaining by losing. You send some of your most faithful people because it's not about us. It's about the kingdom. So they send Barnabas to Antioch. And this is like pre-Saul Barnabas fallout, right? So like this isn't like, oh, I'm sick of him. Let's get rid of him. No, they send Barnabas because they knew that he would bless them. And it says that when he comes, he gets there. He saw the grace of God and he was glad. And being a man of exhortation, he exhorts them to do what? To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So he's teaching them. He's going and making disciples. Not just baptizing them, which is important, but also teaching them to observe all that God has commanded. To remain steadfast, to remain faithful to the Lord, church, it requires that we be in the Word, right? It requires that, that we, we faithfully pursue God. Church, that takes energy. 
I mean, I think sometimes we're just not real with ourselves. You get up for work in the morning, it takes energy. You come home from work, and you have no more energy. Pursuing our relationship with God, it is our cup will be overflowed, right? We'll be filled up and we'll feel so energized, and then ministry and life and everything will hit us, and it'll all be sucked out of you. And then just like at 6 a.m. when you don't want to get up for work, you get to get up for work. You get to go work and provide for your family. We get to commune with God. We get to talk to God. We get to fellowship with God. That's something we get to do. But it takes and requires energy. Paul paints the picture as running a race. Some of you all want to yawn with me like thinking about running a race, right? Like, if I run, it's a mile as quick as I can. I'm done. Like I see these. We we live by the high school, and I see these CrossFitters, and I'm like, I literally need to go get a double shot of espresso. Just watching them exhaust me, church. But Paul talks about our spiritual walk with God being like a race. The the faithfulness that we we have to to follow and pursue because this life is so wicked. This world is so wicked. So Barnabas exhorts them to remain faithful in the Lord. He's encouraged by what he's saying. Don't lose this, guys. You know, like a lot of times we look at things like the good old days. As Christians, we should keep on with the good old days of being faithful to God's Word, being faithful to the fellowship of other believers, to being faithful to sacrificially serving. That shouldn't be like, man, back in 2021, there was a revival at New Hill Church. Man, the good old days. What if we were like, I don't know when it started, I don't think it's ended. And I don't think it's ending. That requires intentionality of saying we want to continue to stir one another up for good works because we were made for them. Not that New Hill would grow, but that God would be glorified. And God will fulfill His plan through us. And then we can have Peter's words saying, who was I that I could stand in God's way? I was tired. I was exhausted. I didn't want to deal with some of those people sometimes. But it was evident that that was God's plan. Who was I to stand in God's way? There are disciples made here. And this is great. And it says in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. We, we know from another one of Paul's letters that there's no longer Jew or Gentile. Right? So here in this melting pot, they're like, what are we going to be called? Like, this is where we first read about this. You were called a Christian today because of whatever transpired there. We're, we don't know exactly, but we can assume, a lot of scholars have talked about this, that it was, we need a name because we're no longer Jew, we're no longer Gentile, we're one in Christ Jesus. What are we? They didn't know about Southern Baptists yet. I'm sure that that would be in there if we were around then, but I'm kidding. Are you all, get, you all with me? I'm kidding. I don't think that they would have chosen the name Southern Baptist. Christian is an appropriate name. But they get the report, and then the result is that disciples are made and then needs are met. Final point in this second point. Needs are met. It says, now in those, these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Church, 
the gospel is radical, right? It is, it is something where we are being radically renewed. So the gospel is extended and ministry opportunity is expanded. That, that these once unclean people are now saved by the grace of God. They are discipled um, by believers of God and by the Word of God. And they are changed forever. You know, we had uh, Nacho uh, come here, the missionary from Ecuador, and he explained that, that one of the greatest things they've seen is that people are starting to, to give away material things, like clothes. And he said, that may not seem like a lot here. Like We just dump things away and go buy the new Nikes. We dump things away and go buy the new purses. We, we dump things away, um, throw it all away, just throw it in the trash, and then we'll go get a Venti Starbucks. We just do all these things. And it's not that it's bad here. The culture's just different. And he talked about the, the first time that he said, hey, those clothes, instead of selling them, I've got some kids that, that need some. Would you give them away? And he said when they gave it away, he was like, the gospel's gotten a hold of these people. Because it's so radical. It's so countercultural. And these brothers and sisters had once been despised by some of these folks over in Jerusalem, always been on the fringe, countercultural to what they've been taught. And they hear of this famine, and in verse 29, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Church needs are met when the church gathers. Needs are met when the church prays. Needs are met when the church is sanctified by God's Word and not by the world. There's a great famine coming, right? This is why like, I don't prep. Like, I'm, I'm counting on Acts 11, 27 through 30. Like, they got brothers and sisters they can give according to their need, right? I can, I can dip into some rice piles. You all got some rice. I can fish, right? I'm bringing that to the table, right? I, um, I, I recently bought a, a pig from uh, Brother Atzma. I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm going to buy in a little bit. And I'm like, and then I'm going to start bartering some pig here when uh, the Great Tribulation starts up, right? I'm, I'm going to be able to barter that. And Pastor Gary's like, what are you going to do when an electric cuts out? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's in the freezer, right? It'll be good. I'm, you'll eat it if you don't got anything. I'll still barter off some, some raw pig meat. Is what it is. But needs are, are met. They're caring for one another. And I love how, how the sacrificial way, look, everyone according to his ability. Some people gave a little. To them it was a lot. Some people gave a lot, and to them it was everything, right? But people gave. It says everyone according to his ability to do what? To send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Galatians 6.10 So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Right? We talk about that. Let's, let's go and let's care for everybody. Let's have um, a benevolence fund set aside. If something happens, someone from the outside needs something. We need to put somebody up. They, they lost their home. They're just from the town and we need to put them in a hotel for the night. We've got that set aside. But it says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Practically, we understand this with our own children, with our own biological families, right? That, that we first care for them. We, 
care for them above and beyond, right? We'll care for our friends, we'll love them, we'll give them things when they have a time of need, but there's something about a family looking out for one another. And it's not to say that you don't love your neighbors, right? But your fam- if something happens to Maylee, I'm going to care for her. And if something happens to your kid, I'm going to care for them. But we all know that, that May- I might react a little bit differently. Like, That's my baby. She just fell. She just got hit. Another kid, I'm like, oh man, are, are you okay? And like, Melissa, you know more. Come help. Come help. Right? Like, I don't know what to do. With Maylee, I'm like running her like the ER or something. I'll do whatever I can. The other people, I'm like calling for help. I, I don't know and I could mess up. But my kid, at least it's me messing up. We are to care for the household of faith. They hear about their brothers and sisters. They hear about the need. They hear about the famine about to take place. And they care for them. It's another report result kind of thing. They get a report of a famine coming. The result is they meet their needs. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Church, gospel extension brings ministry expansion. And it's because the gospel went forth that Antioch was able to bless the church of Jerusalem. Churches are being planted. Uh, disciples are multiplying left and right. God's plan is being carried out. The gospel is extending. And the ministry is expanding. So if we want to see darkness pushed back here in Medina, we need to take the opportunity to go and to proclaim the good news. If we one day want to see things here grow for the sake of the kingdom, then we must go out. Because if anything here, if ministries, if youth groups are going to expand, if groups are going to multiply and expand, it's going to be because we go out faithfully as God has called us. Amen? This isn't just going to pop up. This, people aren't just going to be saved. right? People say, well, Michael, you're a five-point Calvinist. Don't you just believe that that will happen? No, because Paul, the greatest Calvinist ever, says that who's going to hear the Gospel unless they go? We've been called. And you may not buy into that doctrine. You may not be there yet. But let me tell you, God has given us a plan to go and to make His name known to the nations. And it's because the Gospel has been extended to you, so you are to go and extend the Gospel to others. That is the most loving and aggressive message I can have for you this morning. We are not worthy, but God gave us life. Don't withhold it. Go and proclaim that good news. Go and tell people of the grace of God that met you where you were and changed your life, not for here and not for the rest of your life, but for the rest of your eternity. That you are reconciled back into a relationship with a loving Father that sent His Son to die for you. The Gospel has been extended to you this morning, church. How are we going to use our gifts for the ministry this week? What are we going to do this week? Part of ministry is extending the Gospel. Part of ministry is is being a part of group. Part of ministry is going and and caring for others. Food pantries, right? Going up to Cups Cafe and seeing how you can volunteer. Sometimes it's getting involved in the youth group, right? Like, oh man, I don't know how to talk to someone in youth. How am I going to do this? I don't know. Pray pray to God, right? Getting involved in, in ministry teams here. Coming to us with ideas. We don't want to run it. If you've got a ministry idea, I can tell you right now, if you come, you're going to be running it, right? But we'll help you. Whatever it might be, I can't explain this enough. 
We want to see the kingdom advance. And God has chosen to use His people to proclaim the gospel. So let's get up on our feet, literally, and sing this last song. But let's also get up on our feet and go and proclaim the gospel to our neighbors, to our community, to our friends, to our family, to our enemies this week. Just as the gospel was extended to us, let's extend the gospel to others. Let's pray. Father God, we pray uh, to you this morning uh, a prayer of praise for intervening in our life. And God, we, we pray for encouragement right now. We pray that you would, you would um, your spirit would encourage us in areas where we've been silent uh, and haven't been speaking the gospel. We've not been taking the opportunity that is before us. But God, I pray that we would go and extend the gospel this week. And not just extending the gospel, but as we extend the gospel, we would extend a hand of help to the world, but also, uh, Father, to, to our church family, to those who are of the household of faith. We thank you for our church family. We thank you for our brothers and sisters that are here this morning. God, we know that we surely can aggravate one another more the more that we do life together. That is the beauty of family. I pray that you would remind us that we are united not on, not on materialistic things, but on holy things. We are united by the blood of Jesus. And that is so good. We thank you that nothing can separate us from you pray that we would just carry that message out faithfully to those who are without hope. God, you would pave the way. Father, my last prayer this morning is that you would just you would bless us as we go in our endeavors. You bless the offering, multiply it for our good and for your glory. And in all we do, you would receive the glory. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.